let's say a race weekend is a marathon, not a sprint. But for Lewis Hamilton, it was up, it was almost pretty much over inside 200 meters. Uh, Valtteri Bottas takes the top brass in the sprint as the world champions uh, as the world champions had a nightmare before tomorrow's Grand Prix. Uh, welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. Hosting today will be me, Owen Medford, uh, and joining me are Steve Jackson from Formula Shakedown. Good morning. Uh, sports journalist Mikhail Kataya. Hi. And Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights podcast. Hi, guys. Um, so today we'll be getting into our uh, sort of analysis and reaction for the Italian Grand Prix. Um, but before I do that, I just want to get, uh, I just want to uh, thank the uh, people who have reviewed the show. Um, so, so what we do is we ask that if you could take five to uh, to leave a five star review on our uh, on a podcast platform, you cho- uh, on a uh, on our podcast platform, and then uh, we will, can then shout you out at the start of the show. So today we've got oh goodness, I didn't look at the names beforehand, so I'm going to have to do this on the fly. Uh, Sasnorsko twenty one from Canada. Uh, not po- not underscore Poshmark from the USA and. Uh, Kirk's, I don't know how to say that, Kirk Stedge from the USA as well. It's great to have your five-star reviews. Thank you guys for listening. Um, so to just sort of get into the show, obviously, we'll start with Valtteri Bottas, who took the win, uh, ran, uh, led from the front and uh, took a pretty commanding win. Um, I think was kind of expected in some ways, but, uh, you know, him being a Mercedes and he, he just sort of lead away. But I think everyone kind of expected that... Uh, he wouldn't be the leading Mercedes uh, driving away from Max. Um, I'll start with you, uh, Mikhail. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a very good, one of the best performances that Bottas has had probably this whole year. Um, yeah, one of his best starts. Definitely also the restart was quite quite good to be able to pull away from first up in that early on. But I mean, yeah, had it been, had Hamilton had a normal start, I don't think we would have seen Bottas leading um for too long, probably, but you know, he, I guess he got lucky in that case that uh, Lewis is now further behind than what was expected. Yeah, um, I think it's a little bit of luck, you know, bad luck by Lewis, I guess, uh, to, to get Will spin off the start. Um, but it's you know, it's almost uh, it's it's quite sad almost that Valtteri has uh, become good and 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 you know done a, a Lewis esque start is what I would say. Uh, you know that kind of dominant performance, and uh, and he's out. You know this is the weekend that he's essentially been told he's out. Um, luckily, he's got a seat, so he's not hunting for one. But uh, this would be the kind of performance you'd do if you wanted to, if you wanted to keep a seat. Um, well, next we'll move down to the person who would actually take the uh, take the poll tomorrow, um, who is Max Verstappen, and uh, and I think that maybe he obviously knew that there was almost no point in trying to get the uh, you know trying to take a risk. Uh, getting it because he's, uh, you know, Valtteri Bottas was obviously going to start from the back anyway, Aaron. So um, do you think maybe Verstappen was sort of comfortable and just kind of saving it almost, you know, taking this opportunity just to get a run in the car, get some time in the car and almost treat it like a bit like a test session? Yeah, absolutely. I think once it became apparent to him that he wasn't going to catch Bottas, it was probably more about managing the miles on the engine and not putting it through too much stress. And going into the race, he knew that if he made a, a sensible start and held position, he was guaranteed a, a front row start for tomorrow. So for that to end up being pole position, I think that's, you know, as good as he could have hoped for, obviously. But it's, it's a step up from what he was expecting. He didn't need to do any more than he did this afternoon. And that that is the mark of a, a champion in waiting, that they do exactly what they need to do, when they need to do it. And what impresses me most at the moment is he's not just thinking... I've got to go and win every race and win the championship that way. He's thinking bigger picture, make sure I bag the points, make sure I keep everything out of trouble. And he's just constantly in the top three. And that sort of consistency is going to get him a world championship at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, it's the sort of thing that it's the sort of thing that um, Fernando Alonso in a, in a, in a very bad car at the time, obviously in 2012, you know, that's what took him to, right on the cusp of the uh, of a championship and I remember him saying at the time you know in an interview that you know if we have a, t- a car that's worse than the others we can take it to the last race and if we have a car that's the same as the others or better than the others then we can you know win the ch- championship a few races early I think Mercedes are going to push them a little bit further but you're right Verstappen has is is really just showing the, the mark of a champion and, and showing uh, a maturity beyond his, year, beyond his years um, that they even had to teach Fernando at 
at runner uh, runner um, at the time all those years ago um steve after, uh, behind Max verstappen um who sort of you know, someone we thought might challenge them a little, uh, challenge him a little bit more in the race but unfortunately didn't um we've got daniel ricardo um I think going into the this race, you'd think that the McLarens would have been able to swallow up the Red Bull uh, down one straight and just be gone because of the way, you know, how much, you know, they've got the Mercedes power and they're that much faster. But um, do you think it kind of puts a kind of, not sour note, but dampens the expectations for the race tomorrow with uh, with Max's ability to just kind of not be eaten up by the, uh, by the McLarens in the sprint? I wondered if it was a... Um like just a clever bit of strategy that McLaren were sort of keeping in their back pocket just in case Lewis did manage to get past Lando and then, you know, have Daniel there to basically like back him up and and have two cars there to make life a wee bit difficult for him. Um, I think it's tricky to get a handle on where, I mean, where anyone sits. I mean, McLaren and every other team because the the weekend format is just so random and we don't, really have a good grasp on when they do their you know you know when they typically do like their long runs and that sort of thing as, as per a normal race weekend it's very different um so i'm not a hundred percent sure whether that's pure pace or whether there was um or, or you know where whether where daniel ended up was pure pace or whether he was just making sure he was within eye shot of Lando just in case um, he needed help with Lewis basically just to try and keep him at bay because this was their golden opportunity to make sure that they are able to you know clear you know create a bit of a gap with Ferrari considering they're the main constructor sort of target so um, yeah really good performance Um, it's yeah I I don't know if it necessarily suggests that sort of pace that that, you know for for a full race distance tomorrow but um, yeah if Daniel's able to just get his head down and and just sort of you know keep to a steady pace like he did today like and sector two especially he was a good two tenths up on Lando um, you know just just you know, um, going off off what I was seeing on my end, and um, sector three is a wee bit faster as well. Um, so he has got pace there, but I don't know whether that was because Lando was either a distracted with Lewis or b, like I said before, whether they they were playing some sort of strange uh, strategy just in case Lewis did manage to get stuck between the two of them. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you say that. I mean, the part that I took out from that was that maybe actually the McLarens thought we've run soft tyres. Maybe even with the safety car, we just back it off a bit because we're not going to lose much. And you know, Lewis either goes past anyway and get, gets us, uh, and gets us, or or we can just keep him behind. But yeah, I think there might have been sort of some game playing there. And that's something I hadn't considered. Um, after that, obviously, we've got the second uh, the second Mercedes, and uh, uh, just coming back to you, Michael, I just. It seemed that Lewis Hamilton couldn't just couldn't really make a dent in Lando once he got to about 0.6 of a second. He just wasn't fast enough in a straight line for that. Yeah, it was very surprising that he wasn't able to to get as close to to to, to Lando to really even launch an attack. Um, you know, yeah, it, they're both Mercedes-powered cars, um, and I mean, McLaren, I think, has been topping up even the the, the speed traps this weekend. But still, I mean, McLaren is, uh, Mercedes is supposed to be the fastest car. I mean, they got a one-two in quali yesterday, so we would have imagined that he would have at least been able to launch an attempt. I mean, maybe you know, maybe there was a part of that that Louis just didn't want to risk any more in the race and was like, well, starting P four, not the worst. It's not great, especially with with Max being on pole. But at the same time, you know, if I you know stick to the inside in turn one with Lando, and then we both crash out, and suddenly you're starting at the back with Bottas and with Verstappen having free reign. Well, he almost already has free reign tomorrow, but even much better chance of you know extending his lead in the championship. So it might have been also that he was a bit conservative with that, but I hope that that's not you know. I hope Bottas doesn't fall into that same trap tomorrow and you know get stuck somewhere around P10, P9 because he can't follow other cars or attack other cars. Yeah, hopefully that's not indicative and uh, of the race performance of of the Mercedes, uh, particularly in traffic. Um, and also, I think what you said comes up to what um, 
you know, what, uh, the way that sort of Lewis may have raced it against Lando. Um, it's almost almost sort of anonymous. I've, I've realised, you know, the way I've asked the question, but it's almost sort of anonymous and just did exactly what he needed to do and get himself a, a third place start, which is a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, it comes back to almost what Toto said, which is something along the lines of, you know, the four races. If you make a no, non-points finish, uh, that's four races that you've got to, that the, the other guy can can come second and still be ahead of you. And I, th- I, I think, you know, it's almost that Lewis Hamilton can't risk that, which I think, Aaron, is probably why he didn't he didn't go for this, you know, the, the lungy moves that we, we've seen Lewis maybe in the past do. Yeah, I, I always think of his uh, overtake on uh, Raikkonen in, in 2007 when, when he's coming up behind someone d- down into the uh, Retafilio. But I think the... the Correct me if I'm wrong, but the braking distance just isn't big enough in, with these current cars. Perhaps it's it, they're just too good um, to, to almost get past. And obviously, the the turbulent air, we know that the issues with that, and following through the parabolica. And of course, that Mercedes is designed to be at the front. It's it's never been designed to come through the field. So I wasn't really surprised to see Hamilton get stuck. And like you say, I think he was playing the percentages. He knew that there was a bigger picture at hand. If he gets a start right tomorrow, he could conceivably be in the lead. He could be second and on the tail of, of, of Max. So that there's a bigger picture at play for Lewis. And he wasn't going to risk it just for a single point um, against a McLaren that Okay, I don't think Lando would turn in on him, but you know, if if you lock a break or catch him by surprise, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you make. You know, it's it's we've seen all, it's all too easy for people to get taken out, I and mean, and you know, this is the one place on the calendar where it's such a long run to the first corner that you can end up where there with very cold tires, and we've seen lockups in numerous support races, even midway through the race. So, I think yeah, you're 100 percent correctly. He could be in the lead. You know, it's you got to play the percentages at this point, and I think probably indicative of, of how the performance has gone um after that we've got uh the ferraris of charles leclerc and carlos Sainz, uh steve and it's just you know i think it's a decent performance but it, it's not where ferrari could be but also it's i think as high up as they're going to get really at this sort of tra- uh, at monza they're still paying for last year um, I think in terms of just how that car's built and what it was sort of designed to do with the equipment they had at the time before they got their uh, before they got their wrist slapped, um, they were running basically a garage door on the rear wing. <laughs> um, uh, I think they're the only team who had like any sort of discernible, um, you know, uh, rear wing angle. Um, everybody else is basically running T trays. So, uh, I mean, they they are struggling basically with just general aerodynamic performance from what I understand any shallower angle of attack on that rear wing basically just causes the floor to uh, to to basically unseat itself it just doesn't get the the basically the um the uh, I suppose the downward force to actually make it work properly and around Monza that's it, an incredibly fast circuit but you wouldn't want the car to come loose somewhere at like Parabolica which is exactly what happened to to Charles Leclerc uh, last year um so i mean it's been a weird weekend for charles he's sort of been conspicuous by his absence he had a weird um stop and was it practice two where he just, he suddenly came into came into the garage and said i have to get out of the car and i don't think we've got any info on what that was yet but um apparently he's been feeling a wee bit under the weather so i mean it's a good performance considering um, given Carlos is right there and Carlos has been very much on his level for most of the season as well. I think it's indicative of their overall pace, as you said, but um, whether they can sort of hang around and sort of reduce the, reduce the damage that I think the McLarens are going to cause tomorrow that I think they've just got, got, got their number. Um, if they can stay there, then you know that's 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 good. But they've got um, they've got some reasonably strong competition behind them. I yeah, I I wouldn't expect them to hang around, but I'd be very happy if they did because they they sort of need to start making uh, headroads, you know, headway back into that um, that fight with McLaren because I think they're starting to lose the initiative a little bit. 
Mm, yeah. Um, ironically enough, uh, they have the deepest rear wing on their, you know, they did the deepest rear wing at their home race and uh, there's no Mission Winnow branding on it um, currently because of the way that the, of the tobacco rules go. Um, after that, we have Carlos Sainz who had another, uh, he, he also had a, a sort of an issue, um, you know, in practice too as well. It's not been, a, it's it's really been a sort of a rough weekend for him. Luckily, uh, you know, didn't get the rear of his car, Miguel, but it, it was sort of a, it, it was a big hit. Um that he withstood and uh, I think it's going to knock your confidence a little bit and maybe says why you know he's not fighting with Giles that much yeah I could definitely be be that too I mean I guess you know the fact that he is now just behind Charles again you know shows that he kind of at least got over it got over the crash pretty quickly and the, the car seemingly didn't sustain any like permanent damage or something that they need to worry about for tomorrow hopefully but I mean, yeah, you didn't really see much of the Ferraris today in, in, in the sprint. Not that there was much, but they would do. I mean, they had Hamilton in front and Giovinazzi behind. So there's a nice little gap of what, probably 10 seconds or so where they fit nicely. So it was quite a boring one for them. I mean, kind of saving grace the fact that they're both up there now for tomorrow as well. I mean, starting fifth and sixth is not too bad. It just, a, you know, as you know, as, been, as has been said, like the McLaren starting so far ahead is going to make it a bit more uh, of a problem for them than maybe it should be. Yeah, uh, it's. I think it's going. I think, like you say, it's really going to. Uh, it's going to hurt their championship chances. Um, but on the other hand, it's it's not the worst thing that could have happened. Bearing in mind how they've how they've performed thus far, like you know, just coming in just over the weekend. Uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Mikhail, but. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, um, do it sort of really bringing in, you know, just uh, you know, I don't know how to lead into this, but it's just he's it's amazing that he's almost it's amazing that he's an eighth and uh, and he's really sort of showing how good he can be. Uh, it's a shame that his seat is probably up for up for grabs from someone else uh, next season, Aaron. Yes, it's kind of almost too little, too late, isn't it? Because all of a sudden he's potentially out of a seat Bottas has been confirmed as one driver he hasn't got the luxury of Ferrari sort of holding his hand into that seat again and now all of a sudden he's delivering (laughs) it doesn't make much sense because if surely if you were comfortable within the team you'd be able to deliver but maybe he's one of those drivers where you have to really turn the heat up on him to get the very best out of him it's hard to say whether this will be enough to to secure him a seat there for next year. But on the face of it, it's an excellent performance to be Q3 yesterday in qualifying and then to keep it there today and keep yourself out of trouble. I mean, he was not really noticed that much until Perez came up behind him and he did a fairly solid job of keeping him behind. So, you know, he's earned himself seventh on the grid and you can only applaud that because... Really, you'd have expected Giovinazzi to fall backwards from that position because we've seen him qualify, I say out of position, but you know, maybe above expectation and then just sort of drop back down the order and finish in and around Raikkonen, who's sort of 14th, 15th. And it kind of happened in Zandvoort as well, but it'll be interesting to see how he does in front of the Tifosi. A bit of home support for him, maybe that's what he needs. It's just a little bit of love. Yeah. Um... You can you imagine in the uh, Alfa Romeo boardroom they're thinking right to get the rest out of to get the best out of him we're just going to have to constantly say that we're going to kill his family and you know, go all mafia on him <laughs> just to get a bit of Godfather. <laughs> um, you know, God, I don't know how that's going to make it past the edit. <laughs> uh, moving quick, swiftly on to Sergio Perez. Uh, it wasn't a great cue. It wasn't great qualifying yesterday. Um, he's made it up some places, uh, but it's it's kind of. It's not where you want. It's not where you'd want Sergio Perez to be because I don't think it. Like you know, we saw how much trouble uh, Stroll was giving uh, Sergio uh, Steve in in this sort of short format of the sprint um, over a race distance. It might it might be very very easy for him to get held up in the same position he is in now. Yeah. Besides practice two, um, which was obviously interrupted with um, Carlos's crash, he's been sort of. You know, there, like that sort of low end of the top 10. Um, 
I don't quite understand what's going on with him because he he's he's a bit like Seb this season. He's had some incredible highs. Like you look at Baku, he was basically the 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 only thing that kept uh, Red Bull from having just an absolute horror weekend. But then you have um, yeah performances like this, which just isn't reflective of the sort of driver that we we know he is. I mean, he he did incredible things when he was at Racing Point and Sauber and McLaren, and those were all fairly. I wouldn't use the word inferior, but they weren't they weren't you know ra- you know race winning cars. The Red Bull is a race winning car. It's notoriously hard to drive, and I do believe that there is some element of you know just adaptation there i mean it's, he's not the first driver who's struggled with adaptation um he certainly won't be the last but it's reassuring that red bull have you know put faith in him to sign him for another season but i don't <clears throat> this this isn't really where they um it's definitely not where they want him to be especially considering we're in the business end of you know 2021 now the both constructor both the um championships are still up for grabs and i think i i mean whilst i think i've got a good idea of who's going to take out the driver's championship i think the the constructors championship is all going to come down to whether Checo gets his act together in terms of consistency because right now it's just not there and they can't rely on just max on on their own um it's just strange watching him struggle to get past a car that we know isn't particularly good in the form of the Aston Martin. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a huge amount of uh, confidence for tomorrow. I think he'll just sort of circulate in that sort of low end of the top 10 and, and, you know, it'll bring home a couple of points, but um, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't able to make any sort of headway into, into the race at all. I mean, Giovinazzi wasn't wasn't really troubled by him all that much at all. Um, it just it was just a strange sort of performance. Um, obviously, with a longer race and more more depth of strategy and that sort of thing, he could do something miraculous. But I I can't see it. I just it's been a strange and very very suboptimal weekend for Checo so far. Yeah, um, I think you know if I was to sort of take an armchair. Analyst on it, uh, and let's look at it. But I'd say that maybe you know when you strip all the downforce off the Red Bull, it makes it even more predisposed to Jack Max's driving style. Potentially, that's you know that could, that could be it. But yeah, as you say, it's kind of an underwhelming weekend, and it doesn't look like it's going to get better. Um, that though will be good news for uh, a certain Lance Stroll, um, because obviously, like you know, as we as we say, it was quite difficult for Sergio to get past, and he was really causing him trouble. Um, you know, maybe. St- it, 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 you don't expect much from the Aston Martin um, at this point, but, but bearing in mind it's got a Mercedes power unit in the end, maybe it can, you know, over a longer distance, Michael, it can actually, uh, it can get past and uh, it, it can sort of an effect, effect an overtake, um, you know, on, on the Red Bull where it couldn't today. Yeah, and it it was very interesting to see how well he was able to defend against Perez for for many laps before I mean eventually he got got past after you know making a practice launch first. Um, but yeah, I don't know what to expect from them really because obviously the Astons are in a mix with with the Alpines as at least what it looks like from today. Um, just on the edge of that like P10 or P9 I guess position, so it's like. Yeah, they might get some points, I guess. I mean, whether it's going to be Stroll or Vettel, I guess you could just throw the dice and see what, which one of them is going to land on top. But I feel like there's going to be more of them fighting amongst the Alpines instead of, you know, being able to take Perez. I mean, I, I feel like Giovinazzi is probably going to fall tomorrow downwards, so maybe that will do, you know, bring them a few positions up. But I just can't see them, you know, challenging Perez unless he has an awful start and falls behind them then it might take him, I don't know, 20, 30 laps to get past all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of, you know, get, taking 20, 30 laps to get past people, um, we've got Alonso behind. And, you know, if it was a normal qualifying session, we'd say it'd be, you know, an amazing place to start, bearing in mind he'd have free tyre choice and it'll be, he'll be moving one place up, obviously, uh, from Bottas. But it, it's not. I, don't, I, can't, I think they get free tyre choice from a... From a uh, from the sprint qualifying format, but still, Alonso looked fairly racy and looked like he was gonna—he uh, was making his way up to 
um, causing issues and breaking into the top 10, Aaron. But uh, you think over a race distance, the Alpine actually looks fairly good uh, and it looks quite competitive. Yeah, it looks like it's like Mikhail said, it's in that bracket with the Aston Martins. I think uh, they mentioned on the Sky Sports coverage that uh, Aston Martin haven't done a Monza-specific package. So they're, they're supposedly carrying a bit more wing. And maybe Alpine have been able to trim their car out a little bit because they were able to move up a couple of places. Um, so they initially started two Aston Martins and then the two Alpines, and now Alonso's got in between uh, the Aston Martins. So they're probably locked in for another 50-odd laps of duking it out between the four of them, which could be quite fun to watch. Uh, but it's probably only going to be for, at best, ninth place maybe eighth if there's some more carnage ahead um because what you'll probably see is like Mikhail mentioned again uh Giovinazzi will fall down the order and then Perez will clear off and there'll be a nice big gap to the Ferraris ahead for him to accelerate into and then however long it takes Alonso and Stroll and Vettel and Ocon to get through Giovinazzi will define their race in terms of whether they can actually go with Perez and if they can go with him and sort of sit in the, the slipstream that might bring them along and they might be able to collect up on some some carnage up ahead but it all defi- it's all defined by how quickly they get past Giovinazzi and if they can get past him yeah uh, it's a it's a little difficult it might be a sort of a, a petrov scenario in that you've got big long straights and uh, you've got people like alonso struggling to get past them yeah, um, you can imagine the radio messages <laughs> i remember this about <laughs> 10 years ago <laughs> Um, yeah, you mentioned earlier it's the it's the uh, the other Aston Martin um, sort of it's, it's it's kind of weird to see Vettel. He's not he's not for for someone who's driven in some of the best cars in the world. He's not done actually that well at Monza, um, you know, in in all of its forms, Steve. Uh, and it's most likely, and you know, as Aaron said, it's probably going to be a duking it out with 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 you know the Ocon's and Strolls. Uh, yeah, sorry, uh, yeah, Ocon Stroll, Alonso. You know, they, they, you know, hoping to get each other past, and that that might be the battle that they have for the race. Yeah, it's. I mean, that win in uh, when, uh, when was it two thousand eight in the Toro Rosso side? Monza's not really been a happy hunting ground for Seb, and I think that tradition will continue. Um, he's uh, same as same as Checo for me. He's had some very very high highs, but then he's also had some very very drastic results i mean um zandvoort was probably a weekend he'd he'd rather forget i mean some of that was out of his control but um yes like that form's just carried over into um into monza there is a there is an element of limitations with the limitation with the car that will that will play a part i mean um you know, if, if they've not bought a Monza-specific package, I imagine they'll be using something along the lines of what they bought, what they um, took to Spa, um, or you know, something fairly similar to it, which is handy because it was obviously never raced, so it'll be like brand new. But um, it, it, it's, it, I'm not really too sure on 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 what'll what'll happen. I mean, we've seen Seb, you know, climb up the grid from absolutely nowhere. We've also seen him completely disappear to the back and sort of play with play with Haas for 40 laps so um yeah it's a it's a tricky one um it's I mean this I think I've said it in a couple of prior episodes I mean this season really has been a holding pattern for every team um you know we were expected to be on the on the uh, new cars and that sort of thing this year and everything just sort of got got you know we We've had, they've had every team has had to push pause for a year, and some some of the teams um, have taken that and you know, you know, made you know lemonade, and um, Aston Martin have sort of still got a got a lemon, which works in very very specific windows, but for the most part, it's um, it just looks like a fairly awkward car to drive, which doesn't really have many redeeming qualities. Um, when it has performed well, it's because the drivers have put it in positions where it doesn't deserve to be. I don't think Monza is going to give that up, that give them that opportunity though. It's a very high speed track. That car is quite just, it's not draggy, but it's just, it's quite um, unbalanced and just not a particularly happy car, at high speed. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not expecting 
Seb to work wonders tomorrow. But if he manages to climb up into the top ten and you know bring home a point or two, then I think that's something that they can they can be happy with. Because um, I mean we've seen you know um, results get determined by a handful of points, so that one or two points that Seb could potentially get this weekend will count at the end of the season. So yeah, we'll see. But I'm not I'm not who encouraged after uh, today's performance yeah uh, Aston Martin sort of looking forward instead of back um, maybe a bit too far forward uh, when it comes to 2022 uh, I guess we'll, we'll be sort of biting our you know uh, holding our tongues when uh, when they're very very fast in 2022 and, and, and the money they saved on the Monza spec rear wing uh, goes into a some kind of race win um, and below that we've got We've got Ocon, we've got the other uh, Alpine, Mikhail. Um, he didn't really sort of feature uh, in the race at all, and, and not even in a good way. It was just kind of him being in 13th, um, you know, just ahead of the Williams, which I don't know if, I don't know if that says anything so much about the Williams or if, if it's just maybe he's not getting on with the car in, in this particular track. But he, he won not too long ago, and it's kind of weird to see him not buoyed by that and, and maybe a bit faster. Yeah, it is. I don't know. It is quite a disappointing thing to see him be the last one of the, the quadruple that we've been talking about but um, yeah we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow I would hope that he would be more feisty in the start you know at least try and get Vettel and join Alonso in their like fight with Stroll mm. um, yeah I mean you brought a good point about the fact that the Williams has actually stayed relatively close to, to all of those but especially to Ocon as well so you know if it probably it's just that the car doesn't fit the track too well. I mean, we'll, we'll see what they're able to do tomorrow, but from this position, I don't see there being much uh, much success for him. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it might be through the corners, ironically enough, because they were fastest in the speed traps, or at least Alonso was in practice uh, a couple of times at least. So it might it might just be through the corners. They uh, they don't have what they need, in, and as, as the pundits have said, uh, a, a lot. You need you need the corners to be good. Um, otherwise, you you're hurting every down every single straight. Um, after that, we have uh, Latifi uh, ahead of Russell, so it's no longer Mister Saturday, Karen. Um, he's been out qualified by a teammate, and uh, that's sort of no one's going to want that ignominy if you're George Russell like that. Yeah, his, his, his streak has gone, hasn't it? I hadn't noticed that because in in my head, I've just I've, I've seen an 18 lap race. Yesterday I saw qualifying. This is how bizarre this whole format is. But that, that's decent for Latifi. I mean, Russell had a bit of a, a problem on the start, but for Latifi to jump up, how many he jumped up two places. So that that's a solid move for him. Okay, he probably benefited from Gasly's accident, but you know, he, he's he's doing a solid job at Latifi, and I think he's more than earned his seat for next year. And again, this is something that proves it. We didn't really see very much of Latifi or Russell um, because the the battle was more uh, in front of them. But it's it's just good good experience for him, I guess. At the end of the day, you know, an extra eighteen laps of racing in a Formula One car, you know, you can't say no to that. And to I don't know, I can't. I'm not sure I can call this out qualifying um, Russell, but to be on the grid ahead of Russell for tomorrow. No, that, that'll do his confidence the world of good. Mm, yeah, I'm just, I've just had a thought to myself that actually this qualifying format would perfectly suit David Coulthard. Uh, can't qualify, but can race. Yeah. <laughs> oh, imagine how many championships he'd have won. <laughs> <laughs> Probably still zero. Yeah, Yana truly would uh, would be rolling his great man. Well, would be rolling his, just not want to be want to be a part of it at all. No. Um, after that, we've got. I mean, it doesn't matter for the guy, but it's Russell because he, you know, it does. He's got the seat for next year, so uh, so Steve, he doesn't he doesn't exactly need to prove anything. He honestly just needs to get get to Mercedes, see out the rest of the season because it's all good from here. He's checked out. He's he's driving with one hand on the wheel. He's got a Prosecco in the other. He's got the Argos catalog rolling around in his head to decide what furniture he wants to line his apartment with. He's already lined up his Mercedes for next. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now it's um I think the fact that he's behind Nick shows just how well Latifi did to, to 
you know, hold them off. I mean, I'm, you know, just if I can go back very, very quickly, I just want to give a shout out to Nick Latifi because he's been sort of wholly forgotten about with uh, the news around George, which is also very, very exciting, although we all saw it coming. Um, I think Williams have made an excellent choice in keeping Nick Latifi on for another year. He is a, he does fund that, or his dad does fund that team, but he does actually produce solid results. Um, as for George, um, yeah, good. Um, I mean, this is qualifying, even though it doesn't feel like it at all. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't particularly like this sprint qualifying format. It just doesn't really doesn't really do it for me. But um, yeah, like George has done well. Um, he's uh, well. You, you, you'd never necessarily expect Williams to to do well at a circuit like Monza. Um, I mean, I say that, and he. I, think of what he did at Spa and qualifying but um, under normal conditions, high speed track low downforce, that car's a little bit draggy, a little bit bloated in areas where it shouldn't be, it's a little bit old fashioned, still uses you know um, like a, a, a nose philosophy that's now three years old it's just there's not been a huge amount of aerodynamic development until very recently because they've had no money and this year obviously with the token system it's been very limited in what they could do and a lot of it was to do with the rear of the car just getting that all sorted out so now that they've got the foundations of a you know a a sort of a a revived team um things will only improve but you know at a at a high speed circuit in a car like that you can't really expect much more i think it just just nick just drove better which he's allowed to do. And I think that's an incredible job considering the caliber of driver that George Russell is. But um, tomorrow will be a wee bit different. It really depends on the first couple of laps and where either of the two end up, because we know that if Russell gets ahead of Latifi, he'll, he'll sort of break away pretty quickly and Latifi will act as a gunner. So that'll give him priority for um, any sort of opportunity of undercut priority for, for stops and strategy and that sort of thing as well. So, um, yeah, it's a tricky one to call, but I can't expect I can't see them getting much further than they are. It's just it's not a circuit that favours Williams, so that's about where we expect them to be. Mm, yeah, um, you know, we're hoping to be the more sort of Italy, uh, sorry, Imola <laughs> Williams rather than uh, rather than the Williams that they've been at a, a number of other tracks. Um, after that, we have uh, Sonoda, who is the the highlight really of uh, of AlfaTauri's. Um, weekend thus far, um, and uh, and honestly, just is is a, almost a living embodiment, or uh, you know, a, the, sorry, the the, the Alfa Tauri team are a living embodiment of why the teams probably don't like this qualifying format that much, Mikael. Yeah, I mean, well, an awful day for them, obviously today. Not only to have you know Gasly go go off in in turn three, but also for Tsunoda to have that unlucky touch with uh, Kubica, I think. And having to change his uh, front wing afterwards, which obviously like already made it impossible for him to really fight for any solid positions. I mean, starting 16th is not, or actually 15th with with Bottas dropping down. Like starting in that area, it's not that foreign to him, unfortunately, I, I think. But it's, it's not that foreign, so he'll be in a decent position. I mean, Gasly has shown that the car has speed. It's just that you know Yuki has a has had trouble tapping into that same speed that. Uh, Pierre has so I mean we'll see what he's able to do from there I think he'll he, he should or I'm hoping that he does clear the, the Williams is quite quickly but could be a tough place for him as well and then a question of just whether or not he's able to uh, even you know fight with the Alpines and the, the uh, Aston Martins but yeah probably not going to bring any points from tomorrow um, and then yeah no points for the entire team I guess with, with Gasly that far down as well Mm, yeah, of course. Uh, it's, it's, it sort of looks like it's going to be a hard day at the office tomorrow um, <laughs> because he's left a lot of work on his plate today. Um, next up, then we've got uh, someone you can really like. You know, all things considered, you can't really expect to do too much better. Um, is Robert Kubica, Aaron? Um, oh, sorry, no, I've oh, I've completely skipped someone because I. Oh, you know what? I just don't want him to be there, so I, I, I accidentally skipped him. Um, Surprised that he is that high up. Yeah, that well, that too. It actually pains me that he's been genuinely quicker than Mick the entire time. Uh, is um, car number nine? Because uh, I, I, I'm not saying his name. 
professional professional idiot. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't want to talk about him. Can you can you find any words for him? Well, I can actually. He was the biggest mover of the sprint. He gained three places, which was more than anybody else. But we found a positive. We found a positive, but. You caveat that with he started last and both Alpha Cowries <laughs> pitted or went off. And then he uh, he passed Kibitza as well, I think. When, uh, if there was spun. ever an example for marginal gains, I think you've just found. <laughs> <laughs> Always find a positive in something. Um, I mean, another positive is he didn't ram anybody off the road. He didn't upset Mick. He didn't get in anybody's way. Um, yeah. So, basically, he he drove the car and didn't crash. So, well done. <laughs> That's actually an achievement. That's yeah, genuinely I mean, an achievement. He gets, like, BG on Xbox or something. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> After that, we've got Kivitsa, who got overtaken by Mazepin. That's uh, that's uh, embarrassing. Uh, now he got he got a bit a bit unlucky, but he also kind kind of really shouldn't have been there on on Sonoda, should he, Steve? No, that was entirely Robert's fault. Um, I I saw I felt quite bad because I saw Robert facing the wrong way and an Alpha Tauri like sort of disappearing down the road, and I thought immediately, "What's Yuki done?" But I watched the onboard, and uh, yeah, entirely his fault. Um, but, but just just. You know, bear in mind, he finished higher up than he qualified for qualifying, if that makes sense. Um, but purely because, you know, Gasly DNF'd and Bottas goes to the back of the grid. But, you know, we'll just overlook that and say that, you know, Bobby Cubes gained two places. Um, considering he was on his way to Zandvoort as part of a TV crew for a Polish uh, sporting television program, um, the fact that he's keeping pace with the grid is um it's really good it highlights a couple of things one he's still got it even though he's probably not going to be a front-running formula one driver ever again that's that's fair enough um also highlights just how poor of a car that williams back in 2019 was because he probably could have done a lot more than he did if he had the right equipment but um yeah it's um it, it's a really good performance considering he didn't expect to be there a couple of weeks ago it was just you know, like he was just sort of doing doing his thing, doing uh, I think he's doing DTM, um, Le Mans, that sort of thing, but not F one, not not in a racing capacity. So, um, yeah, good 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 effort by him. Um, if he keeps keeps out of trouble tomorrow, he'll probably finish ahead of both horses because I mean those two are at each other's throats at the moment. So I expect them to trip each other up in some way, shape, or form, and it will be entirely the um, number nine car's fault um but he's got you know he's got some other cars around him to play with and actually you know like like you know battle on track so um he seems to be enjoying it um there was uh, footage of him uh, i think just after uh, no before fp2 big smile on his face so he looks like he's enjoying it which is great um and it's nice that he can come back to f1 and sort of you know, his more recent memories of F1 might be a wee bit happier than when, than when he left the sport in, uh, in 2019. Yeah, yeah. I think you always got to put an asterisk next to Kibitz's results for these uh, for these couple of races because, bearing in mind, you know, even, as you say, even though he's doing WEC and, you know, DTM, which are sort of more downforce cars, um, although DTM less so than they used to be, it's still not Formula One uh, and there, yeah. there, is a, there is still a jump. Um after that, we uh, we have. It's sad for me to say, really, because I, I I don't like seeing him below his teammate. Is uh, is Mick Schumacher? Um, obviously, he's not going to start last where you'd expect if he was behind his teammate. Um, but it's kind of it's not it's not the best race. It's not the best thing to happen in the world for uh, for him. Uh, is it Mikko? No, not at all. I mean. And that's what we were talking about in the beginning of the season because we all knew Haas was going to be the worst car on the grid by far. So the only question was how badly he's going to be. He's going. He's going to beat his uh, teammate, and that really like hasn't. Well, this weekend hasn't happened, and of course, most of the time you just see them. You know, as has been said, like like battling it out with each other, which is not what you want if if 
you are Mick Schumacher. You know, people are expecting you to to get up to Ferrari in like the next five years, probably, if you all goes to plan with your career. So to be struggling to to beat and losing out sometimes to your teammate is not that good. Um, but yeah, also I I also feel like maybe. I mean, he's already said that, you know, there is nothing to do to repair his relationship. And maybe he just doesn't feel like, you know, fighting too much anymore because, you know, maybe just waiting for next season, hoping for a way better car and then leaving number nine in uh, in his rear window. Well, in his mirrors. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, as you say, it might be a waste of effort to bother fighting it out. Um, I think of course I thought it was quite ironic when I read the uh, headline that uh, Nikita Mazovin said that he needed that Schumacher needed his family to come and f- uh, finish his battles for him. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Schumacher, Mick Schumacher's uh, always been better on the second season, so that might that might actually suit him going into uh, next year in a maybe in a better Haas and uh, oh, sorry in a developed Haas uh, and. Uh, and maybe and he'll just leave the uh, the other guy behind, um, and then sort of the guy who will be sort of leading up the rear um, is uh, is Pierre Gasly, obviously. And uh, and as I said earlier, it's that he showed right there with the reason why the teams probably hate the sprint qualifying format because it's just a load of extra risk and another first turn, and uh, and and not in really that much reward. Uh, is Aaron? No, he had everything to lose in the grand scheme of things for Alpha Tauri from that position. And thinking about the the accident, I think it was Ricardo as well in Bahrain where he just sort of tapped his rear wheel, broke his wing and ruined his race, if I remember correctly. And there he is again, bumping into Daniel. Um, uh, there's not really much more you can say apart from the fact that he was just very lucky to not have a more serious accident um, luckily at the Curva Grande there always has been a, a really big runoff area and a good tyre wall that we've not really ever seen put to much use thankfully um, I mean if I was Pierre I'd be going to sleep tonight praying that uh, Mazepin crashes at exactly the right point to cause a red flag that, or a safety car that means you can jump to the front again and uh, you know fluke another win at Monza because <laughs> Because he's, it, apart from that, apart from a well-timed safety car or a red flag or something crazy happening up front, I don't see Pierre getting anywhere near the points tomorrow. He'll make some progress. He'll probably get maybe into the mid-teens, maybe 13th, 14th, which will be a, a solid effort. Um, but I can't see him threatening the points. Um, and first of all, he's got Bottas, who will be coming through from behind him so if you can sort of tag along Valtteri's coattails and uh, again like I said with the the Alpine and Aston Martin fight if they can hook onto Perez if Gasly can hook onto Bottas he can make his way through and maybe gain a couple of extra positions that way yeah I think uh, Gasly you know is fast enough to both sit in the slipstream but also not fast enough to overtake Bottas so so as you say you might actually be able to sort of you know follow him through right to the front um, like a BMW driver with an ambulance. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get a car and a car brand endorsement anytime soon, am I? Um, BMW just crossed us off. Yeah, that's it. That's gone. We won't be able to. We won't get to uh, get to drive the big boy M8. No, but Mercedes and Audi are big, giving us a nice big tick. <laughs> I'm doing the big brain play. That's an IQ 900 yeah. play. That is. Um, but that brings us sort of to the uh, the end of the. Uh, Sort of proceedings. That's the. Uh, it's not necessarily the grid, but it's how things petered out today in the race. Um, normally, we do driver of the day. Uh, I will be doing it, obviously. Uh, you know, we'll go round. But it it feels. I just want to say, it feels a bit weird to be saying driver of the day. Uh, you know, as, as as you guys have said, it just feels like we've watched a race, um, but we haven't. We've, it feels like you've watched the first half of a race and then it ends. Um, but yeah, uh, if we we start with you, Mikael. Well, who's your driver of the day? Mm, I mean. Really don't have many options here. Go either for for Bottas or Verstappen, but I'll go for Bottas because you know he pulled out a performance that, well, to be honest, we've been waiting for the entire season pretty much. Um, I mean, unfortunately, it brings him three points and uh, P twenty P twenty starting position. So you know, not the best timing maybe, but 
you know, shows that he still definitely has some kind of hunger. So we'll see what he's able to do next year with the Alfa Romeo. But yeah, for for today, he'll get my driver today. And then if we go to you, uh, well, the numbers tell me uh, Mazepin because he made up three places, but I can't <laughs> give it to him on principle. Um, the two Ferrari boys impressed me because science crashed in uh, FP2 and Charles obviously not feeling very well. But I'm actually going to give it to uh, Daniel Ricciardo because he needs a proper result to really kickstart his McLaren career. And this, please let it be it. <laughs> please. <laughs> he gets my driver of the day for the sprint. <laughs> we just sort of kidded it, uh, not kidded it, jinxed it now. It won't, it won't happen. <laughs> it's really, going to be really unfortunate. Uh, the meme of the guy falling out the window. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve, who's your driver of the day? Uh, Lando Norris for me. Um, you know, he's he's 21 years old, holding off like, basically a giant of the sport for, <laughs> for, for 18 laps. I mean, I had both his onboard and Lewis's onboard up for, I think, from around lap 10 onwards. And he was just bang, 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 consistent every lap, like didn't miss a beat. Lewis was opposite lock in the gravel coming out of, um, uh, uh, gosh, um, he was on the gravel coming out of Curva, Curva Grande at one point, actually. Um, like, just very, very slightly, but you saw the back end just completely step out and then tuck back in. And just, he was he, he was having a very hard time even, uh, you know, like, keeping up with him. So, for me, it was Lando Norris just for, for keeping a very, you know, calm, level head. I can't see many drivers being able to do that for 18 laps. Alonso's done it for 11, so really, what I'm saying is... Lando's better than Alonso now. So, and there's obviously three world champions now. It's all three world championships <laughs> now. It's all good. That's what that means. The numbers crunch. Indeed. Yeah. I'm going to go for Latifi for driver of the day because, uh, as has been said before, he, did, he outqualified Russell. Yeah. He ended the streak before before Russell even left. So, that's uh, that's Latifi's claim to fame there. Turns out, if yeah. you, you know, right, if you want to pay driver who's going to invest in your, in your team, get a Canadian one. They're great. Yeah, yeah. Have the TV. Maybe that's where Villeneuve went wrong. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a pay drive. <laughs> yeah, don't tell uh, Glenn Freeman that though. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'll be honest. I don't know the significance of that. I uh, see. Uh, Glenn's a massive Villeneuve fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's like no. Oh, Matt Gallagher is oh. Charlotte Claire, like. Oh, did did that stop? So so you know, yeah, Matt Gallagher. WF1, what years for Charles Leclerc? Uh, Glenn Freeman for, for Jacques Villeneuve. Did he watch him at Le Mans? <laughs> it wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to do the predictions. I, I, I just I don't want to predict it. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know what happened, and I hope no one else does either. Mazepin's going to win. Actually, yeah, no. we'll just take a bold prediction. We'll go with a bold prediction. I'm, on, I'm running the show. It's my. Anyone got a bold prediction? Well, I've got I've got Mazepin for the win for one. <laughs> Maybe that's too bold. See, I'll say Tsunoda. Tsunoda gets points. Oh, Tsunoda gets points. Yeah, yep. we'll take that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm um... going to throw Giovinazzi points in instead of the Mazepin win. <laughs> right. It's not really bold because I can. It's it's. It's definitely within the realm of possibility now. Uh, Ricardo podium. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's... yeah. Like it's, it's. I know it's not exciting. I just want it to happen. I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where, like, you know, Aaron said it before. He just, he needs something like just, just anything to just sort of, uh, you know, re, you know, reassure himself that he is there for a reason and that McLaren have taken him on because they, they see his worth. Because I, I can't imagine the 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 mind games that he plays with himself sometimes. I mean, everybody sort of has elements of, you know, moments of doubt, and I, I, I expect he's had them. And he just needs something to just go, right, yep, I can still do this. I can still, you know, drive. So I, um, yeah, I think Ricardo podium, um, failing that. Andrea Moda, one, two. <laughs> Bold prediction. <laughs> 
starting from 1993. <laughs> <laughs> what about one of those, uh, maybe a Simtech Ford in third? I don't know. Just something, oh. just something equally shit. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, Kapir Gasly in, in uh, but to first again, and no one knows how. <laughs> Shenanigans. Oh, yeah, flag. Someone I was going to say, I can't remember. I was going to say one, and I can't remember what it is. Oh, Alon- uh, Alonso for the win. There we go. Alonso for the win would be funny. Well, if we get a red flag, well, no, if we get an accident we get a- that, that's a yellow initially, and then they red flag it because of debris or something like that, and everybody pits besides Alonso because, you know, Big brain moment. Big brain, two thousand and eight. Yeah, September. Yeah. <laughs> September brain moment. <laughs> Thought I saw Flavio on the on the on the TV coverage earlier. So you know, stranger things have happened. Oh yeah. God! <laughs> I don't think I did, but you know, when you just like, I have seen an old, I have seen a big white man, a big white he man wasn't, with white hair. He wasn't walking around with a book that just his Singapore strategy two thousand nine, was he? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it was printed on the back of uh, Nelson PK's P45. <laughs> that joke doesn't work for half of you, I've just realised. That's a very specific joke. I got, um, it. I got it, I got it. Do you, do you have P45s? Um, uh, you know what, I, I, I'm going to move straight on from that and, uh, and just... Uh, before this gets any more off the rails, uh, I'm just going to give you guys an opportunity to sort of plug where you're from and what you do. <laughs> uh, so if we start with you, Steve. Um, so I'm one of the uh, mod slash admin slash people, team people uh, for Formula Shakedown, which is a uh, Facebook group. Um We've uh, got a few thousand members. It's mainly Australia Pacific based, but you know you can be from anywhere, another planet, as long as you're a decent person and you like open wheel stuff. Um, so it's not just Formula One; it's F2, F3, IndyCar, Super Formula, S5000, um, uh, TRS. Well, basically, if you can see wheels sticking out on bits, then we'll have it. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, we've got a podcast now as well. Um, it is fit for human consumption, I promise. We've got two episodes, and the third one is being recorded next weekend. And I think we're working on getting it onto Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other various platforms. So um, when that happens, I will let you know, and we'll hopefully get some people from Grid Talk and other podcasts on there in the future as well. I'm sure there'll be entirely sociable hours. Um, oh, indeed. <laughs> uh, Mikaela, where can we find your where can we find your writings? Um, well, mostly either on uh, on F1 Chronicle with uh, the podcast here, or a lot of on Sportlight doing the race reports and quality reports. So you can check out my stuff on there. Uh, and Aaron, uh, what what do you do? <laughs> so I do the Five Red Lights, uh, which is a YouTube channel. Um, so we do what well, I do uh, race reviews where I rate the driver's performances and race previews. And a few other little bits in between, we do a driver of the month vote because I think driver of the day is just rubbish. If you've got a good car and you're at the back, I mean, Bottas is getting driver of the day tomorrow. It's a given. That's my bugbear with it. So I do a monthly vote for that and a few other bits in between. And that's on YouTube. Search uh, five red lights. Cool. Um, I've I've got to plug myself, I think now. But basically, if you like memes, I write meme review articles. Uh, work has prohibited me, but uh, I'm, I promise, I promise, I'm getting back into them. Uh, so if you like memes and you don't want to, and you don't want a serious take on whatever we've just gone for, as if this is serious, gone through, um, then uh, then come and have a look at that on SportlightPro.com. Um, right, I've got to do the uh, ugh, the Facebook Live stuff. So. If you're watching live, uh, sorry, you'll know if you're watching live, but if you're listening after the fact, uh, we now stream this show live on YouTube. Uh, so be sure to uh, to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Formula One Grid Talk. Uh, and then uh, if you ring the bell icon, uh, like all you good YouTubers say, then you'll be notified of our future, future shows so that you'll know when we go live. Um, 
Also, if you like to listen, to, if you do like to listen to it after the fact, maybe in the car, maybe while you're having a bath, um, then we're now available on Verbal as well as Amazon Music, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. You just need to search F1 Grid Talk. Um, we have a large back catalogue of shows uh, of over 130 episodes, in interv- uh, including interviews. That's interviews plural. We have at least one. Uh, we have two. Sorry, with. Uh, with Mario Asola from Pirelli. Uh, so if you'd like to know sort of some of the situation around what happened at Spa a couple of weekends ago, uh, then you can go and take a look at that as well. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, and we have re- retrospective pieces on uh, Tiregate and Senna. And if you're still stuck for what to do between shows, then check out our subreddit F1 Grid Talk to give us suggestions for what we can do to improve the show and perhaps subscribe to our Patreon for mics, lights and better recording equipment for our presenters. Um, we'll be back tomorrow for our analysis and reaction to the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, thank you very, very much for watching, everybody, um, and goodbye.